take this uh, message, the power of agreement. And even though Angela said I shouldn't go to the very beginning, I'll still go there. Matthew 18, verse 18 and 19. Jesus speaking says, Truly I say to you, and I always want you to focus on any time you're reading scripture when Jesus uses the word, I say to you. That's a law. When he says, Assuredly I say to you, people don't talk that way. When he tells you, I say to you, he's about to give you a spiritual law. Powerful spiritual law. Especially when he uses, I shortly, or in the King James, old King James, he says, verily, verily. That is telling you, this always works. This is a law. Stay with it. It will always work. I say to you, that's very important, where he says, truly, I'm telling you the truth. This is a spiritual principle. It will always work. I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So if you don't bind it on earth, it's not bound in heaven. And if it's not bound in heaven, then you really haven't done anything on the earth. Nothing's going to happen. Heaven must work with the earth for something to change for the better, for something to change for good. You have to have a man on the earth binding it, somebody on the earth speaking the word, binding it, because God needs that for heaven to agree. And the last, last Wednesday I, I told you how God told Adam to name the animals. It's not like God couldn't name them, but whatever Adam called the animal, that was his name. After Adam says, that's an elephant... God says, that's an elephant. The angels will say, that's an elephant. The demons will say, that's an elephant. But it originated from Adam because God gave him the earth. So you are important. God is looking for a man to bridge the gap. Without a man, it can never be done. That's why Jesus said, and I repeat myself, it's very important because we're dealing with a principle that always will work. Pray this way, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because until you pray it, it can never be done on earth. In heaven, every time, every single hour, every single second, the will of God is done in heaven. But on earth, until a man is crying out for the will of God to be done, it is never done. You have to understand that. Until you pray for your family's change, until you cry out to God, that's the essence for prayer. It's not just to have a religious thing. Because God is saying, until you agree with me that I do this for your family, it will never be done. You can cry, it won't work. You can call your friend, it won't work. You can talk about it, it just won't work. But when you ask heaven to come into your home and you agree with God, God's already wanting to come into your home. But until you ask Him, He'll never come. Until you tell Jesus to come into your heart, He'll never come in. He'll stand at the door, the King of kings and Lord of lords will stand at the door, until you open that door with your mouth, saying, come in, Lord Jesus. He can't come in. He stays outside. So we're tying a lot of principles together, so you understand that this is very, very, very important. 
Whatever you name it, that's what it's going to be. If you name sickness, that's what you're going to get. If you name cancer, that's what you're going to get. If you, whatever you name, that's what you're going to get. So you can speak to this mountain, be thou removed, it will be removed. If you stay with the Word of God. So that's the truth of the Word of God. So we're talking about the things to bind and the things to loose. Because Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So you need to lose things that are good for you and your family. And you bind those things that are opposing your progress. Spiritually, mentally, in every area of life. If you bind it, God says yes. It's going to stop. But if you cry about it, nothing happens. You got to bind it. There's a principle here. When Jesus says to bind, there's a principle. He wants you to do it. Exactly what he said. It's not just something to read about and say, how nice. No, you have to practice it. You have to do it. You have to start binding certain things that you don't want in your life. That you don't want in your children's life. When troubles come and you can see them, that's the time to spend time with God and begin to bind and loose. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent ones take it by force. Gentle Christians don't work with spiritual things. Satan doesn't understand gentleness. That's God. He understands the language of violence. Amen. So we got to be violent. And Jesus said again, I told you before, again I say to you, if two of you agree on the earth, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father. Just two people. Just two people. If this is not true, uh, tear that page from your Bible. You don't need to read it. Rip it off. Because God's not going to do it. And after you've ripped everything you don't believe, you only have cover. One end of the cover. <laughs> but this is the truth. Jesus told us the truth. Amen? So there are things to lose. And there are things to bind. And we talked the first thing to bind sin. And to lose forgiveness. And we talked about that last week. Sin is evil. Sin destroys. It's pleasurable only for a season. But it bites like crazy. It destroys everything. It destroys the family. That's not something you want. But the Bible has made it very clear. Romans chapter 6 verse 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. He says sin cannot come into your life. But he would, if sin cannot rule your life, that's what he's saying. Sin shouldn't rule your life. So if there is sin, bind it. Declare the word of God. Speak the word of God. That sin shall not have dominion over me. I'm a child of God. This addiction, you, you don't stand a chance. You're getting out of my life. This bitterness, you can't stay. God's going to deliver me from it. Because that, the word of God says this. Sin shall not have dominion over me. It's not like you can never ever sin or we focus on sin and sin, sin, sin all the time. That's not the issue. The focus on what God says. Agree with what is written, not what you are experiencing. Because that's false. 
The truth is what is written. And so you use what God is written in His Word against what's happening to you and bind that thing and release what God's spoken to you. Sin has to go. And forgiveness is what cures that. Forgiveness establishes that sin can no longer have dominion. You can't have unforgiveness and really let it stay without it eating you up. Bitterness. And then it spreads to whoever you, tell, you talk to about it. And before long, the Bible says everyone is defiled. That's why I've often said the greatest, and I need to say it here, you, everybody needs to watch this. Watch this. This is the greatest. This is one of the things when it comes to unforgiveness that's really destroying the church. I love my sister Pam. And so Sister Pam comes to me and says, Did you know what uh, Brother Marco did to me? Marco says, I never said anything to him. <laughs> and now, and he says, What? And she tells me, I want part of her story. Now I am ticked at Mike. Michael, you ever did that to my sister Pam? Oh, you're going to get it, boy. I'm telling you, you're going to get it. But he didn't offend me. He offended her. God will not give you grace to forgive. Because you were not the one that was offended. You are taking an offense that doesn't belong to you. We do that a lot. It's not your offense. When finally, Michael had realized please forgive me, I'm using your name tonight, that he's done something wrong, he's not going to come to me. He's going to go to Pam and talk to Pam about what happened. Forgive me. But Pam has forgotten that she told me. Now she's forgiven him and they are sweet. But I'm still mad. (laughs) That's taking an offense that doesn't belong to you. And it's destroying a lot of Christians. It's destroying a lot of Christians. You have to, when it comes to the area of forgiveness, as a pastor, that's my principle. I can listen to you and make no judgment. I'm waiting to hear the other side. You know, there are three parts to a story, okay? (laughs) There is hers and his, and the truth lies in the middle somewhere. (laughs) So, be very careful. Be very careful not to go there. I learned that years ago in the United States, listening to a preacher, and it down in my heart, not going, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I listen, pray about it. If it bothers me, or go ask. My wife is very good at that. Go ask the other fellow, what happened here? So you get the truth. And by the time they are through with what really happened, you want to kill the other guy. No kidding. So we have to be very careful about this. It's very important. So lose forgiveness. And we talked about fear. Second thing, fear and faith. Fear and faith. They never exist together. They are moral enemies. I said last week, if you have fear, you can't have faith. It's like the scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication. If you're anxious 
please don't pray. You can have both. If you're going to keep your anxiety, <laughs> you're wasting your time praying. Be anxious, fasting, be anxious for nothing. The same way, if you are afraid, you can have faith. It's always through a message. The doctor uses the big C word at you. Cancer. And instantly, that's a gospel. Well, not good news, but bad news. He gives you the word. You were happy one minute. Now you hear the word, the C word, cancer. And all of a sudden, what follows after that? Fear. But Jesus, if he was standing by you, the words that would come from his mouth would be, Don't be afraid. Only believe. No matter how bad, even if the person were dead, his words would be, don't be afraid. Only believe. Because if you have fear, you can't believe. And fear will carry something, whatever you are afraid of. Fear and faith are carriers. They always carry and they will deliver. They are very faithful to deliver whatever they are carrying. And what they are going to deliver is what you are you have in your heart that you are believing God for or you are afraid of. If you are afraid of cancer, guess what fear will deliver to you? Cancer. If you are believing in God, what, what faith will deliver to you uh, is your faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. That's the issue here. So we should never be afraid. It's an, it's an amazing thing. The guy is not married, but he's already afraid of divorce. He's already talking about it. I don't want to get divorced. Were you afraid? It's going to come to you. That's what Job said. The things that I feared the most has come to me. Because faith, I mean fear will attract whatever you are afraid of. It draws it and pulls it closer to you. That's what happened to Job. And it's a principle. The same thing with faith. You can't see it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Fear is the substance of things not hoped for. Hello? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Fear is the substance of things not hoped for and is the evidence of things not seen you got it when you are afraid that's the principle i want you to get so whenever you're going through anything the first thing you must bind is fear if you are afraid that you are going to be in debt you can't pay your bills or whatever that's exactly what but reverse that and begin to say the lord is my shepherd i shall not want God will pay the bills for me. I don't care. Nobody can fire me when everybody is afraid of losing their jobs. You're saying, he didn't give me that job. God gave me that job. And if he happens to fire me, I got better, he has better job for me. And that's exactly what you get. But if you entertain fear, they'll fire you. You look like a fireable person. <laughs> Excuse me. Is that even English? I don't know. <laughs> he sees you with all your fear. 
I don't like that one. <laughs> you going. But when he sees that confidence, everybody's mousing around, and he sees you coming like, this is my father's house. He says, I, I like that guy. I'll keep him here. Amen. They can fire you. Unless God got something better for you. That's the way we should think. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Always say, I have a sound mind. God will not just speak in vain. When God says he has given you a sound mind, and you're saying you don't have a sound mind, who is lying? So when you say a word like that, that your mind, my mind, oh, I'm afraid. God said, I didn't give that to you. That's not what we receive. We did not receive, that's Romans chapter 8, believe verse 15. We did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So fear is the spirit of bondage. Why? Because fear has torment. If you fear... That torment in fear, it will be delivered to you. And you will be tormented. Maybe by way of not being able to pay your bills. That's the torment. Whatever you fear is going to come to you. So we must get rid of fear. We did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry to God, Abba, Father. When you have fear, it's hard to really call God your father. Then all these doubts will flow through your head. Because fear is the opposite of faith. And so when you are afraid, you really cannot call God from your heart, my heavenly father. That's faith. can do that through you, calling God, and God will listen. That's my, that's my I hear the voice of my child calling. There's got to be trouble. Is different this time. And he comes down to work in your, on your behalf. Amen. Now, third thing, we must bind sickness. And we must release healing. Jesus finished his work for us. Jesus died both for sickness and for disease. It's amazing how Christians focus more on sickness than they do of healing. Sometimes you listen to Christians talk about sickness. It's like, let me tell you, let me tell you. They want to talk about sickness. It runs in the family. Just sickness, sickness. And then some Christians, they are constantly sick. That's an oppression. That's a serious oppression. You can be tempted with sickness, just like you're tempted with sin. And you can be sick from time to time. But it shouldn't be every other time you're sick. You get to change that mindset. Jesus is not a minister of sin. That's what the Bible tells us. So if you're constantly in sin, sin all the time, and have this sin consciousness, basically what you're telling the world is that Jesus came to minister... Sin, but the scripture is very clear. Jesus is not the minister of sin. But that goes for sickness as well. Because he paid for your healing. By his stripes you were healed. 
So you shouldn't focus on sickness, even if it runs in the family. Even if all of them have been having cancer, your great-grandmother, that's not your inheritance. And don't speak that over your life and over your children's life. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. You are a new being. You are a different kind of being. The Bible says that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You were born of the flesh, but God closed that chapter and gave birth to you, and you were born from above. You are not ordinary. You are not like the rest of them. Don't accept what's going on with them. You're different. You are a brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head, and you are his body. He is divine, and you are the branch. And what flows from the head flows onto the branch. And I'm one of them. If the head is sick, the whole body is sick. If the word is well, then the whole body must be well. We shouldn't focus on sickness and disease. Because what you focus on is what, what you attract. What you focus on is what will overcome your life and take over your life. So we must let that go and believe God. Let me read this scripture to you just to... To, to buttress that. In Matthew chapter 8 verse 16 and 17. It says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed. And he, he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. That means if you were in that crowd that evening, I don't care whether your leg has been twisted so badly and is facing the other side. That thing must come back to where it was. He healed all who were sick. Every single one of them. And why did he do this? He says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities. When Jesus healed those people that evening, he made sure he healed every one of them. And the reason why he was doing it was to fulfill the scripture that was written of him. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So on that day, he was very deliberate. Now, do we still have sick people today? Yes. Is this scripture fully fulfilled? No, because we still have some sick So Jesus is still here healing all who were sick because he was trying to fulfill the scripture that was written of him. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still fulfilling this scripture today. And we must focus on this scripture if you're sick, believing that God wants to heal you and stand with the word of God and say, sickness, you can't can't get me. You don't have the power. You know, have you heard about the blood of Jesus? Have you heard about the stripes of Jesus? Hey, sickness, have you read that scripture where it says, By his stripes I was healed? Let God be true and every man a liar. And you symptom, you are a lie. You can't take me out. That's the kind of faith God's looking for. Where people through faith subdued kingdoms. They wrote righteousness. They brought people who were dead back to life. And God saying, that's the way you, we ought to do it in our time. Not to start talking about sickness constantly, headaches, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, and all of that. That's not our inheritance. No weapon formed against you will prosper. 
And every tongue, including satanic tongue, that rises up against you in judgment, condemn it. He says, this is the heritage or the inheritance of the servants of God and their righteousness. God says, it's my righteousness. You challenge that. Righteousness has profit. Amen. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He sent his word and healed them. So we must focus on what God's done. Sometimes I ask people, why do you always want, why do you always want to uh, lean on the negative sides of Scripture instead of seeing on the part that's positive? You're going to find it. Well, I'm telling you, uh, it's written in the Scriptures. Paul had some turn, a turn. God gave him a turn in his flesh. You heard that before? Paul was sick. Where did you read that, that Paul was sick? They focused on that. And, and, and God's going to teach them a lesson through sickness. Why don't you put HIV in your son's mouth who is rebellious to teach him a lesson? And see, watch what CPS and the government will do to you. And you put that on God? And that's the way God teaches his children a lesson? What kind of a father is that? Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your father, to your children, how much more? Your Heavenly Father. We don't treat our children that way. You won't make your child sick because you want to teach the child a lesson. What kind of lesson is that? But that's what people want to believe. They believe a lie because they won't accept the truth. But the Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So that's one thing we want to buy sickness. It shouldn't be part of us. Even in First Corinthians chapter 11, it was very clear. Paul said, you, did, you, are not, you are not taking the communion rightly. That's why some of you are sick. Meaning, if you are all doing it right, there will be no sick person in the church. Is there any sick among you? Have you read that scripture? Is there any sick among you? Elders of the church, Pastor Andy, Pastor Roy, take care of a problem. Pray for them. That's what the Bible says. He didn't say, go call a doctor. Look for an expert. There's nothing wrong with that. Is any sick in the church? Look for the expert in Houston. And go bring him to the sick person. No. He said, call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint with oil. And pray a prayer of faith. The problem that why we don't see all of this happening, church members don't agree about that. If two shall agree concerning anything, we don't all agree. Well, brother, good luck. I know this message you're preaching is right, but I know that pastor, he was a very holy man. But he died of cancer. So are you saying that he didn't believe God? I don't know your pastor holy. I don't know how he lived his life. I don't know what he believed. The Bible says, be it unto you according to your faith. I don't know what he believed. He may have believed that God was teaching him a lesson through that sickness. I don't know. He was holy, but he believed a lie. God's not going to put his word aside just to meet your need and violate his word because you are believing wrong. It's never going to happen. He says, even though, even if, if, if we are unfaithful, God remains ever faithful to his word. 
So we need, we need to understand that. Number three, I still have good time. Is this time okay? Teresa is gone. Selfishness and love. Selfishness and love. The reason why we have so much trouble in the church and on earth, selfishness. It's just what it is. Selfishness. I've seen programs that are very biting. Husbands destroyed. I mean, taking their wives' lives after getting insurance. Sometimes $60,000 for human life. And they take the person's life because they want to satisfy. That's why we have so much trouble in the world. People just don't care. It's only what satisfies them. That's where they go. It's a strange world that we're living in. Selfishness is always looking for what's best for me. Not what's best for us. That's destroying the home as well. Wife or husband, selfish. What's best for me? It's not what I can contribute to make life better for us. It's what I can get. That's what it is. That's where the trouble is. The man is constantly demanding, I am the head of the home. You must submit. But he's not going to love the wife. He doesn't want that. That's a curse word. Loving his wife, that's not a good word. He likes the submit word. And so we have fight in the home. The reason for selfishness. The reason is because of selfishness. Sometimes I listen to people who are talking about divorce. And they're not thinking about the children. These kids didn't ask for it. You made the decision yourself to come together. Now these little ones have come in because of your decision. And you are going to destroy their lives just because you are not feeling good about this situation. But these kids didn't ask for it. That's selfishness. And you talk to them, they're totally oblivious of what they're doing. You're going to destroy a life, a precious life that God put in your care because of your desire and how you feel, how your needs are not being met. My needs are not being met. So you're going to destroy a little life. That's the problem we're having in the world. It's only what I get from it. What what am I going to get from it? That's the issue here. Love has one great characteristic. Giving. The Bible tells us in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that what? He gave. He gave. That's the number one. I know we know 1 Corinthians 13. And all of that. But the main thing about love, if you want to look at love, because the Bible says, God is love. 
And when Jesus declared his father's love, there was one thing that was mentioned. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love gives. Selfishness always wants to take. It's all for me. And that's what's caused. So we must bind selfishness. And turn love loose in our lives. We got to focus on the love of God. If you're finding yourself scheming just to get for yourself, and you're not considering your, your, your neighbor, not your church, not the other person, not the world, guess what you got? You don't have his nature. Because God's nature is to give, even if it hurts you. You know Paul gave his life for us. Paul, Paul, he could care less. He says, I was all things to all men, just to bring them to God, to, get, to make life better for them. That's the Christian life. And that's what God wants us to turn loose. Go into the world, some people are losing their life just to make life better, so that these people can go to heaven. But others don't care. While others are giving their monies to make sure the gospel is spread around the world to help the rest of the world, this guy always thinking about the mansion he wants to build. And nothing wrong with building a mansion. But you got to think about the love of God. Love gives. Love gives. Selfishness has trouble believing. Hello? When, when selfishness is ruling your life, you, it's going to be hard for you to have faith. You know the word, and you see it with your eyes, but it's hard to really believe. You've read in the scriptures about this, the Pharisees. They couldn't believe Jesus. They saw, about, they saw the miracles. They even heard how Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. But what were they concerned about? He says, if we let him alone... The Romans will come and take our place. They were more concerned about their position and what was coming to them than the, the, the life, the scheme of God and everything and the lives of the people. They could care less about the, the sinners and the publicans. All they were concerned about was their place. And because they were so concerned about their position, they wouldn't believe. And Jesus told them, these people, the sinners, the harlots, and all, they're getting into the kingdom before you. You can't believe. Even though they saw the signs, they saw the miracles, they refused to believe because of their position. Self-preservation. They couldn't. So when there is selfishness governing your life, it's really hard to believe. Have you read about Judas Iscariot? He knew everything. He even did miracles. But he was selfish. Stealing. He destroyed himself. It's hard to really follow through with faith. When you have that in your life. Selfishness. So we got to buy nothing. You know, love is the birthplace for faith. If you read... In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, it says, Love believes all things. 
Love believes all things. It's easy to believe when you got the love of God in your heart. It's easy to believe. But when you got selfishness, which is the opposite of it, it's hard to believe. You know the word, but you can't receive it. Because your eyes have not been opened, your ears are not opened yet. Selfishness is standing in the way. The Lord God has opened my ear, right? Until when that is there, there's no way he can awaken you morning by morning. Because selfishness is standing in the way. That's why Jesus told us two commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Those two commandments, that's the trunk for the other commandments, the law and the prophet. So we must come against selfishness in our own life. Always fight it. If, if it's time to give and, and you get that thing in your head, you know, if I give, how am I going to pay my bills? Double your giving. <laughs> Even if you got to give to somebody, double it and watch what God will do. Let me show you something from the scriptures. Remember, when you give, it, it, it really attracts God's attention. I'm sure Jesus was in, a, in, a, in different places where people were giving their offerings. But there was one instance that was recorded in scriptures. You know why? Because a woman did an unusual thing. Jesus stopped what he was doing, preaching, and he stood by the offering bucket. Now, all of us know about Jesus. I wonder what will happen on a Sunday morning if you see Jesus, if you put your envelope in the bucket, he, Jesus takes it out, opens it to see what he gave. I'm sure the rest of us will be emptying everything. <laughs> Let him see. But, when that woman gave that, sacri- that sacrificial offering, Immediately after she gave, I don't know how long Jesus stood there watching them. But as soon as the woman delivered that, he lost interest in it. He just said, he left the place that that woman gave more than everybody else. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed that sacrifice. He experienced it. And it satisfied him. That's out of love. When you love, you give. Amen? When you love, you give. Faith, we're talking about faith. Galatians 5 verse 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avail anything, but faith working through love. So your faith only works through love. When there is selfishness, your faith is going to be hindered. That's all I'm trying to say. So you bind selfishness and turn loose of love. Now, the last thing I'm going to talk about is demons and, on the other side, the Holy Spirit. It's clear that we must bind demons. A lot of Christians, or let me say many Christians, I want to use the word a lot, Especially in the Western world, it seems like they think that when the last apostle died, all the demons decided to go into hell. 
And sometimes I have been amazed where Christians are asking me, good luck, good luck, do you believe in demons? And I'm thinking, how can you be a Christian and don't believe you're a demon? What's the matter with you? Read the scriptures. You think all the demons died when the last apostle died? What's going on? There are demons. And some activities in people's lives are as a result of demonic activity. A lot of different, including sickness. Sometimes a demon is behind sickness. Some, when I've prayed for the deaf, usually I'm rebuking a demon. And I command the demon. That's what, what, when God gave me the, the boldness. Because I realized I have cast out demons before. And this deaf demon is in this fellow. I can cast him out. So I decided all I need to do is cast out the deaf demon. And the fellow will hear. And that's exactly what I did. I put my finger in the person's ear. And I said, demon, in the name of Jesus, come out. And then I took my finger out so he can have the room to get out. And once I'm through with that, I believe he heard me and he's, he, he, he's gone. So then I go behind and I do this. And the person says, yes. I said, two. And they say, yeah, two. And everybody's going, oh, what a miracle. I just cast out the demon. That's all. And you have the authority to do that. Once my eyes were opened that the sickness could be as a result of a demon, that's an easy thing. Now, let me tell you this. There are two reasons in my mind that gives you the authority to deal with any demon. Two. Just two reasons. If you're a Christian. Two reasons. The first is that you have been sent to preach the gospel. That's one reason you have authority to cast out any demon. If you read in the scriptures, even before the disciples received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, whenever Jesus sent them out to preach the gospel, the first thing he tells them is cast out demons. So once you are out there preaching the gospel, you already have the authority to deal with any demon. And whatever they are doing in a person's life, you can free them. You can free them. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 17, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world, that's again, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Who is he telling to go into the world to preach the gospel? Every believer, right? Every believer. And then he says, and these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will what? Cast out devils. Devils have to exist for us to cast them out. So once you are a believer and you are saved, you can cast out any devil. Big one. Skinny one, fat one, tall one, don't matter what kind of demon, you can cast them out because you are a believer. You can cast them out. These signs follow those who believe. Follow means you are going somewhere, right? 
follow means you're going somewhere. Whenever you are going out preaching, telling people about Christ, ministering to them, behind you, you got the power to cast any devil that's op- operating in their lives. Don't just sit there. That's what most Christians do. That's why they never realize the authority that God's given to them. Because all they do is just in their office pushing the pen and, and saying, I'm a Christian, I go to church every Sunday. Uh, and then when a demon manifests, he goes, oh, what was that? They're scared because they are not preaching the gospel. That's the first thing. You can realize that when you start preaching the gospel. In, in Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, that's the second reason. Being filled with the Holy Spirit gives you great authority over these demonic forces. He says, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of, uh, or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. This is the power to deal with demons. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit is what gives you power. Now, Acts ten thirty-eight: how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good Healing all who were what? Oppressed by the devil. Demons. He healed them. Demons. So, and you have that authority when you're going out to preach the gospel. So we must bind demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that cast them out. Jesus said in the, in the, in the gospel, he said... When they accused him that he was casting out devil by, uh, devil by the power of Beelzebub, he said, but if I cast out these demons by the Holy Spirit's power, then the kingdom of God has come to you. So it's the Holy Spirit that will assist you to do that. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will help you to deal with demons. Demons are very terrible beings. When they come into our life, medicine don't deal with them. You can take it and for life is destroying you. I found out that demons can really cause you a whole lot of trouble. Can turn a marriage upside down. In my country, we have a, a demon that they call spirit husband. And I'm, I'm very aware of it. Just this demon in a person's life can cause this woman not to ever get pregnant. Having a fight in the home. The first woman that, had, that came to me with this spirit, I didn't understand it at that point. I just returned from the United States to Nigeria. And uh, she said, I want to keep my husband. And I said, so who's stopping you? <laughs> She said, well, I want, I want to get rid of this spirit husband. And I said, spirit what? Spirit husband? And I thought, is this woman crazy? And I didn't know what to do with that. She said, well, 
I said, what, 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 what's, what's happening with you and this page husband? She described what was going on. I thought, this woman must be insane. So I, I ran from the room. I said, lady, I'm coming. Generally, when I'm dealing with people like that, I act like I know exactly what I'm doing. But meanwhile, I'm calling out on God, what is this? This is, this is what am I? Why did you bring this lady to me, I'm saying? I don't know what she's saying. So I told the lady, hey, just one minute, I'll be back. Acting real, like I knew what I was doing. I ran to the kitchen. My mother was there. And I said, Mama, this woman, uh, there's a woman that came here for prayer. And she's talking about a spirit husband. Have you ever heard anything? What's that? She said, oh. I said, so you know about this? She said, yeah. And she described it a little bit, that this is what it does. It causes the problem. So after I gained the knowledge, I went back like I really knew what I was doing. I said, yes, lady, I'm going to help you. And prayed for her and got rid of the demon. So she stays in the home with her husband. Angela and I, we dealt with a lady in Color Station. She had two of them. And she started when she was about eight years old. She had that spirit. Those two spirits came, came into our life. Very beautiful lady. Attended church. And there was a guy, I think his name was Steve, and she was attracted to him because she told me he has the same form and looks like that demon. So she was attracted to that man. But the, the problem with her is she couldn't, because of that, those two demons in her life, it was impossible for her to have a job. And she couldn't get married. And she knew it and started when she was eight. And it was just God's mercy. Somebody told her in school, in college, uh, uh, Texas A&M, he told her, uh, your problem, maybe you need to do a talk to that fellow called Good Luck. He, he, he might be able to help you. And she came to talk to me, and I was not going to talk to her because I was getting ready to, to uh, go for a conference. And But as soon as I sat down, the Holy Spirit said to me, she got this problem. So I, I stopped what I was doing. I said, uh, young woman, I know what your problem Before At that time, you could tell she was, I was just a trial for him because she's been several places and nobody's been able to help her. So before she said a word to me, God spoke to me and I said to her, I think I know what your problem is. She stopped everything and she started looking at me like, you do? I said, yeah. And I talked around it. Talked around it. So she knew from my background because I dealt with this thing over and over again. So she got confidence, you know. And she told me everything, how we started. She was in a Catholic church when this thing started. Now her life is turned upside down. Angel and I prayed for her. She got free. And the first thing, the first manifestation after she got free, she got a job in the bank. So we knew God had done it. And then she married the minister. That's the Lord. But she's free. She's free. There are demons for us to deal with. And you can deal with them. You have the authority. The Bible tells us, and I'm going to close with this tonight, Luke 10 verse 19. Jesus said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all... Can you all say with me, all... Who has the power? You. He gave you the authority to trample on serpents. Those are demonic forces. 
and scorpions, not literal scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You're not going to be hurt. Don't, don't believe that lie. In those days, people will tell me, oh, please don't cast out demons when you got children. The demons will go into the child if you cast him out. I said, well, if he's dumb enough to go into the child, I'll come after it again. We'll tell him where to go. Many times they ask, they want to know where to go. Because you've got authority over them. You have the power right now as you see it there. If they're attacking your children, speak to them. Bind them. Tell them to get lost. The Bible says, resist the devil. And he what? He will flee from you. Until you bind them, they stay around loose. But when you bind them, they lose their power to torment you and your family. Amen? That's the power Jesus has given to you. You may not think much about yourself. But every time the devil sees you, he says, here comes trouble. And every time you listen to something like this, he says, oh boy, this is real trouble for you. So he's going to try to, try to tempt you to see if you're still afraid. But if he moves something in your room, don't go calling on pastor. <laughs> Speak to it. Amen? Tell him, would you please get out of my room before I get mad? Amen. Resist the devil and he what? He will flee from you. Resist the devil and he what? He will flee from you. That's the truth. Until you resist him, he stands free. But when you stand your ground on the word of God, he knows to let. Amen? Stand up with me, powerful children of God. Amen. Your powerful children of God. Amen. I, I like the ministry. I believe by the grace of God, if God allows, um, I'll probably be going to Nigeria next year. And uh, may want to take some of you here. I don't know of people that have gone with me. I was speaking to a lady in Georgia that went with me probably 2001 or so. And she was preaching at me. That lady could hardly speak. She was so into herself, all the problems. And she was preaching at me. I was praying here in the sanctuary when I was talking to her. Uh, Stop praying. But she preached and preached. And I said, now listen, I am the preacher, you know. You better be quiet. I'm the one as the preacher. You're not. Because <laughs> she kept talking and telling me stuff about preaching. But God transformed her life once she was there. And she saw God can use her. Cast out devils. Pray for the sick. And God used her from church to church. And minister started saying, give me that woman of God. And she said, who? Me? Yeah. You. And that's you tonight. Amen? God's going to reveal that to you. Let's lift our hands up to our God today. And just accept what Jesus has done for us. He's done so much for us. I wish God would open our eyes so that we can see what God has made available to us. His children, dearly beloved of God. No matter what you're going through right now, God is on your side. And the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Nothing. What can be against you? God is on your side. No matter what's happened in the past, 
You've accepted Christ into your life. He is now the Lord of your life. Things are different now. You need to accept it and begin to lose those things that are different into your life right now. Think about those things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are of good report. Think about those things and begin to speak those things over your life, over your children's life. Refuse to give and the Holy Spirit will make a way. He is the way maker. He'll make a way in the wilderness for you. He'll make a way, give you water in the desert so you can drink. The children of God can lack nothing. The Lord is our shepherd. We will never know want. The Lord is our shepherd. We will never know want. Not just financial want. Any area of life, whatever you want in your life to make life beautiful. He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He came so that we can have life, not just ordinary life, but abundant life. That's for me tonight. That's for you tonight. And our God is with us. If God be for us, who can be against us? Throw that depression away from you. Throw that loneliness away from you. Throw that anxiety away from you. Bind that thing tonight. Bind that want in your life. Let God be. Amen. In your life. Let God be true. And all everything else that is contrary, a liar. Because God is on your side. Father, we thank you tonight. We're so grateful for your goodness to us tonight. We release all the blessings of God upon our lives. Your word says that we have been surrounded with favor. You have surrounded us with favor as with a shield. That favor is our shield. Favor is our shield. Everywhere we go, we have favor with men and with God. Just because Jesus is in our lives. We give you praise, O oh God. We give you praise, O oh God. What a wonderful God we serve. What a glorious God we serve. What a merciful God we serve. Thank you, God. You are our fortress. You are our hiding place. We give you praise, O oh God, tonight. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.